Yes, it is Friday, February 17. This is the Big Sports Breakfast on Sky Sports Radio. We've got Adam Pengilly coming up shortly, and it is a very sad day, extremely sad news. Dean Lester died yesterday, aged 54, after a short yet brave fight against a rare form of cancer. And when faced with this news recently, it was a great indication of just how much he was loved. His employer, RSN, in Melbourne, and his mates, they really rallied set up a GoFundMe page and very quickly they raised nearly $300,000 as the burden of medical expenses, mortgage repayments, etc. just became immense for him. It was something certainly Dino didn't ask for, uh, but uh, to raise that much money in a short space of time for someone so loved within the industry. And uh, he's always had his challenges, Dino, uh, health-wise. He was born with spina bifida. Spent the past 20 years or so, aided by a mobility scooter. He was never one to complain, though. Just went about doing what he does best, finding winners for listeners, uh, listening to, well, whether it's here at Sky Sports Radio, RSN in Melbourne, or uh, he's been on Channel 7 recently, but all around the place in the racing industry. Simply a great Aussie bloke, loved the game. And uh, he had the privilege as well of having a share in the 2016 Newmarket Handicap winner, the quarterback, trained by Robbie Griffiths. And they were great scenes, emotional scenes, as we saw uh, Dino celebrate that Group 1 triumph that day, what, seven years ago. And whenever you saw him trackside, he'd always say day, have a chat, and he just seemed, well, universally adored. No doubt about that. And what a tipster and what a legacy. And we saw it here Friday mornings on our text line. If you missed Dean Lester's mail... People just ferociously writing in, what are Dino's tips? What are Dino's tips? Uh, it's just a great legacy, and it's a very, very sad day. And thoughts and prayers certainly go out to his mother, Sandra, his partner, Leanne, all his close friends as well. And uh, just I was just looking on social media then, the tributes are coming through thick and fast, as they are on our text line here this morning, and we appreciate them. Keep them coming, 0419-767-272. And Adam Pengilly from the Sydney Morning Herald is joining us. Uh, morning, Adam, on a, on a sad day. Yeah, morning, Jared. Morning, boys. It's, uh, it's an incredibly sad day. I, I must admit, I, I got the news come through late last night before I went to bed, and um, I must admit, I found it a little bit hard to sleep for the first hour or two, um, just thinking about the news and what, a, what an amazing influence he was on all parts of the Australian racing industry, from knowing administrators to jockeys to punters, tipping them winners on a week-in, week-out basis. And the one thing I love about him, Jared, was his humility. Like it wouldn't matter if he tipped seven winners at Flemington on a Saturday or he didn't tip a winner at Moe on a Monday, which was a rare instance, I must admit. He, he was still the same person, and he's still the same humble bloke that we've always come to love and know and love listening to his voice on the radio. And his breadth of knowledge of, of racing in general is something that I can only marvel at, to be honest. So, yeah, what an incredibly sad day. And I, I know we'll take time to process the news, and in time the racing authorities will, will think about how they... Um, pay proper tribute to Dean, but uh, there's such a myriad of options. And I just really hope that we can we can do something in the future to recognise his amazing legacy in the industry. Yeah, exactly right. And just the impact he's had on, well, someone like Jai McNeil, for instance. Yeah, yeah. It was an amazing story, wasn't it, given how close he was to, to Jai McNeil. And he, he virtually got him the ride on Twilight Payment before mm. the Melbourne Cup that year, and he, he won the race. So I know there was a lot of jockeys who spoke to Dean on, on a regular basis to, to work on their speed maps and understand how races are going to play out and they would seek Dean's counsel because of his because of his amazing knowledge, um, and it just goes to show. There's not too many people that I'd trust to do something like that, but there's a, not just John McNeil. There was a whole handful of them who do that on a regular basis, and talk about guys like Nick Hall. They used to consult with him regularly, so. 
yeah, just such a such a terrible shame. We know Dean's had his health problems for for, for many years now, but um, yeah, it's just a horrible, horrible news that came through late last night. He had a massive following, didn't he, uh, Adam? Yeah, yeah, it was. It's incredible, isn't it? You guys, I know Jared's been speaking about it just just a moment ago. The people who would who would text in wanting Dean's tips and. Even when I just sat in the chair just for a couple of days doing the the summer show when you guys have been on holidays, we'd still get listeners texting in saying, "What's Dean's tips for today? Have you got yeah. Dean's tips?" And it's just amazing. And for for a guy like him, there's only a select few people who can move markets like he did, and he could genuinely move markets on his opinion and his tips, and people would back his horses religiously. Um, so it just goes to show just just what a, what a powerful influence he was in the industry. So. Yeah, I just want to send out my condolences to his family and friends. His mother was doing extremely tough today and she'll be doing it tough for a while yet. Um, we just hope he's, he's, he's not in pain anymore. He can, he can rest in peace. Let's talk some footy, Adam, and uh, the World Club Challenge. Uh, 19 and a half, St. Ellen's have the start with Tab for the World Club Challenge. How do you see it unfolding? Oh, if Penrith are fair income, Jared, you think they'd cover that 19 and a half, wouldn't you? I know they might be a bit rusty and, and haven't played any footy so far this year, and at least in Helen's about a game. But just, just given the conditions that they're going to face out there tomorrow night at Penrith, you, you think everything's sort of in Penrith's favour. Um, you know, I know they've named, a, a, obviously, a name of pretty much a full-strength lineup compared to the team they ran out in the trials last week. I, looking at that squad, I, I think Penrith's biggest challenge this year is just going to be depth if they get a couple of key injuries. Like I think Coruscant and Kikiaos, we've been speaking about ad nauseum for the last couple of months, uh, they're going to be big blows, and we know the production line they've got going on out there. They can just bring in guys to, to, to do a job. But if they do get a couple of key injuries, I just think they might be stretched a little bit more this year. Having said that, I think they'll win this game. I think they'll win it fairly comfortably. I probably expect them to cover the margin at some stage in the second half, and um, yeah, they're going to be world club champions. So though everything points well to Penrith having another big year, and they'll be getting ready for, for round one in a couple of weeks' time. Adam, what's the latest with Adam Dewey and his contract with the Tigers? Yeah, really fascinating story, Clarkie, that Brent Reid's written in the News Limited papers today, that Adam Dewey's very close to agreeing to terms to stay at the Tigers, but only on a one-year deal, which goes to show they've got a lot of balls they're juggling at the moment, mm. the Tigers. They're obviously trying extremely hard to get Mitchell Moses back to the club on a on a long-term deal as a marquee player. How Adam Dewey fits into that equation, we're probably not quite too sure yet. I suppose we'll probably find out in the next few weeks whether Moses does come back to the Tigers, what they do with Luke Brooks. But I think Adam Dewey's probably a chance of moving back to fullback next year if everything plays out how the Tigers want it to play out, which is probably going to leave Dane Laurie in quite a precarious position, you would have thought. He's a guy who's also off contract at the Tigers at the moment. He hasn't sort of come to terms on or agreed on a new deal yet there yet. We know they've got Charlie Staines across from Penrith, who's got eyes on playing fullback at some stage this year too. So, I don't know. The Tigers seem like they're, they're sort of juggling a lot of balls at the moment, and I'm quite sure exactly which path they're going to go down. Obviously, just signing Adam Dewey on a, on a one-year deal, which is a little bit peculiar as well, is probably one step further to solving their equation. But I think it's probably a good move from the Tigers, and I suppose it gives Adam Dewey some options to leave his career open, heading elsewhere in the future too. Well, obviously, you know, they've got Dewey on their books already, but with Mitchell Moses unsure of what he's doing, have you got a lean of what he will do? Because yeah, I reckon well, once he decides, that's when we'll know what will unfold with the Tigers. Yeah, I, to be honest, Loss, I don't know. I don't know. I made mm. a few phone calls this week. I think I think he's really up in the air. He's not quite sure exactly what to do. He, he spoke last week, or was it the week before? I can't remember now, about wanting to win premierships. That's That's going to be his main focus. And the money, yes, probably Tigers are offer more money than what Parramatta are going to do, and it's going to be a slightly longer contract at the Tigers as well. But I suppose he's probably trying to weigh up well, which clubs do, do I think can get back to a grand final and win a club quicker in the next three or four years. Do I stay with Parramatta, who was so close last year and made a grand final, but obviously well beaten by Penrith? 
are they on the, on the downhill slide now? Are the Tigers in a, in a good enough position to really challenge to be a top four team in the next two or three years? And I suppose that's something he's probably sort of weighing up. I, listen, I know the Bulldogs pulled out of the race a couple of weeks ago, and I, I wouldn't expect anything to change, but it wouldn't completely surprise me if something did change on that front in the next couple of weeks. So just keep an eye on this space. It's a fascinating race. I think Mitch will probably want to make a call, I'd imagine, before round one. And, and if you're Brad Arthur, was. You don't want this dragging on into the first three or four weeks of the season, do you? You just want him to make a call. Let's put it to bed and let's get on with it and start playing football, concentrating on what we need to do. So I think Mitch probably needs to make a call, I'd imagine, in the next week. Uh, now, over at Cronulla, Craig Fitzgibbon gets an extension and a significant extension. Uh, and I guess well justified and deserved. Yeah, probably the big news of the week, Jared, wasn't it? That Fitzy's agreed to stay at Cronulla for the next five. He's already had a couple of years left on his, on his current deal. But I think the Sharks and their board were so impressed with what he did last year in turning that club around and turning him into a top four team straight away within the space of 12 months. They thought, we're going to tie this guy down long term. And I heard you, Loz, speaking about it earlier in the week about the, I suppose, the dangers of long-term contracts. And they, they seem like they're just so in vogue at the moment in the NRL. Like, guys are... Coaches, look, Cameron Serraldo, who's everyone thinks is going to be the next big thing, but they've signed him to a five-year deal. Craig Fitzgibbon obviously did a long apprenticeship as well and had a great first year at the Sharks, but again, he's on a five-year deal. So uh, it seems like that a lot of clubs wanted to tie down these coaches for, for these long and extended periods of time. And I, I took, I, I sort of listened to your comments with interest last week, Loz, about saying that you know things can go wrong pretty quickly. Like it might yeah. look, look, look like a good thing on paper, but things can change dramatically and quickly. And that's exactly right, Adam. That's why you're always wary about signing players on long-term deals because they can get a, an injury and all of a sudden they're not the same player. A coach could lose a senior player or lose a couple of players at, at one time. You can have a fallout with someone and all of a sudden the dynamics of a footy team changes. If you've got the runs on the board, yes, and there's nothing to suggest that, that Pitty won't be a massive success and he already was last year. Um, at the Sharks, but I, I'm always wary of signing players on, or, or anyone for that matter, um, on long-term deals, anything over a, a three-year. Good luck to them if they can get it, but I just think there's a risk there that things can go pear-shaped in this environment pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I still think the Sharks are a smoky to win the comp this year. Like I, I still think it's hard to go past the Roosters and Penrith and I just think they've such, got such a settled squad. And the, I suppose the one question mark is, when the big games roll around at the end of the year, like who's the guy that's going to say, give me the ball, I'm going to drag us yeah. across the line and get it done? That's that's their one question mark, isn't it, Loz? Yeah, so my question mark is that, um, and I think they had a terrific season last year, they've got to back it up. Yeah, yeah. Whether it was just that halo effect of the new coach and the new systems and they're all excited. Um, but can they go to that next level? And we saw them go out in the finals in straight sets. And mm. a lot of people suggested, and quite rightly so, that they had... Well, they were on the better side of the draw last year because a lot of their play, uh, t- uh, teams that they played never finished in the top eight. Mm. Mm. So I, 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 I could either have the Sharks in top four or missing the eight. Yeah, that, well, that's I think... where I'm sort of at it with, with the Sharks. I'm, I'm just unsure. If they, if they play like they did last year and improve, just natural improvement, they play finals foot without a doubt in the world. Mm. I like their forward pack. I think they've got a, lot, got, a, got a really good young forward pack. And you throw in a bit of experience with Finucane and McInnes and, and those type of guys. But the health of probably their spine is going to be the biggest issue. They need to keep Blake Braley fit. They need to keep Nico Hines fit. And I, I just, 
I still don't know about this fullback position. I think Will Kennedy is a really good player. He's, I think he showed last year he had a few issues with injury, and I think they're, they're really light on for depth at fullback this year now that we know what happened with Kay Dykes going down with the ACL and Lockie Miller being released from Newcastle the day prior. But if they can keep those guys fit and healthy, I think their forward pack's going to carry them a long way in this competition. So, yeah, we'll wait and see how it plays out. I still think they're, they're a smoky to finish the top four and really go deep into this competition again. All righty. Give us a tip for tomorrow, Adam. What have you got? Yeah, race six, number one, Electric Girl, Jaren the Millie Fox. Uh, I know she's first up, but she loves dry ground. She's on her home track. I think the speed map just works perfectly in her favour. I'm respecting Maria Mia, obviously. She's been flying this campaign, but I think she's probably a touch of unders at the price, and if there's going to be an upset, I think it might be Electric Girl. So her form from last preparation just reads outstanding. I know she hasn't been winner race, but she was close up in a lot of really good form races uh, behind the likes of She's a Belgian Promise of Success and um, Shades of Rose. So Happy to have something on her each way. Uh, first up there tomorrow at Rose Hill, which is race six, number one, uh, Electric Girl. Race six, number one, Electric Girl at Rose Hill. $8.50 with tab, two thirty. the place. You have a great weekend, mate. Enjoy the weekend, boys. We'll uh, chat again on Monday. Well, it's a huge day there in Corindai. It's Cup Day, in fact, and it's race seven on the card. The Elders, Kalara Feedlot, Corindai Showcase Cup over the mile. And a big day ahead, and Michael Mulholland, he trains the favourite Sea of Flames. Jake Barrett is in the saddle, and $3.50 at the top of the market as it stands. And joining us now is, uh, well, the secretary and manager there at the Corindai Jockey Club, Sam Taylor. Sam, good morning to you. Hi, how are you going? Really well, thank you. Tell us about the day in store for everyone coming to the Cup. Oh, look, it's um, it's our annual Cup, mate. Um one of our one of our biggest biggest showcase meets here in in Little Corindai, and uh, and so we're looking forward to um, having a really big crowd. I know the warm weather; um, it's going to be a hot day, but look, we're really excited um, for for the day. The track looks amazing. Um, so, and we've got um, we've got just about full fields in all our races. So we're super excited about that. It's um, it's going to be a really good day. Yeah, morning, Sam. Can you tell us a bit a bit about the history of the race? And have you had any famous past winners? Yeah, so we um, so uh, I was I'm a, I'm a bit of a history buff. So we've we've got a, a wonderful page and. A, a, a newly crowned local legend, Jeff Barwick, who who does amazingly with um, with keeping us all all updated, and um, and so I was going back. It, they used to run the Corindai Cup um, at a, a local gentleman's house. <laughs> so yeah, so back in um, back in the 1920s, it was yeah, it was run at a, a, a local farm. So the first Corindai Cup was actually um, at the the showground where it is. Uh, it wasn't officially the showground, but um, started the first race was run there in 1927. Oh my God. So we're talking some pretty long history here in um, in our little town, yeah. And, um, and and probably one of the biggest was the 1983 Cup. I was looking at some brilliant photos of that the other day, and um, up on our members and and um, dining grandstands and things, you you could not move. There was people everywhere, and uh, Tongi Boy won it that year and uh, they claimed him as a local horse who's bred in Marywalk, which is just down the road. So, so that was, yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. I really enjoyed looking into that. Yeah, brilliant. Well, you talk about the town. How's it doing in general? And has it been tough in recent times with the floods and obviously COVID? Oh, oh look, yeah, look, we're a resilient little town. Um, 
you know, drought hit us pretty hard um, a few years ago and obviously you wouldn't have thought then we'd turn around and in three years we'd be having floods here and uh, <laughs> on, a, on a fortnightly basis nearly. Every time it rained, everyone was holding their breath. But, oh, look, most of us that went through the drought, we were, you know... We uh, we didn't knock back the rain, that's for sure, because it's um it's hard to come by, and and it has been a little bit dry here, I have to say, over the um over the last few weeks. But look, like I said, hugely resilient little town. We all band together. We all all help out each other, and um and they've just sort of just starting to wind back our little sunflower festival. Um, so so Cup Day sort of. It, it fits in brilliantly with that because people are already in the town and they're still they're still coming to check out the last of the sunnies and um, and we've just had our, our silo art open so that's another huge draw card and um, and that was majority um, done by voluntary committee and um, and some and some government funding uh, for that so you'll have to pay a visit mm, have a look sure. at all the sunnies next year come for cup day. And, and check out check out the sunflower art. Yeah, and uh, love all those silos through New South Wales that have had oh, all the artwork yeah. done. Dunny Do, Merrill War, etc. Yeah. And uh, yep. now Corinda as well. Now the really important part though, Sam, have you got any <laughs> tips for us? Oh, look, we had our cow cutter last night at the Corindo RSL and, and I'll tell you, it was, a, it was a good night and there was, um, yeah, there was some, some cheeky parts around. But look, oh... It's hard to go past Sea of Flames form, mm. but in saying that, I'm not much of a. I've, my grandfather always said, never been on the favourite. I'm sort of down for King Star Bullet. I reckon is is not a not a bad one. And and look, I can't go past the fan favourite. Um, Jane Clement's got her son Brace riding Red Beryl. Um, so those pair are going to be pretty hard. Red Beryl's like coming into some good form, and Brace will, yeah. Um, Brace speaks for himself, apprentice jockey. Um, he's a good little horseman. He's he's going to go far in racing. So, so that that'd be my tips: King Star Bullet, Sea Flames, Red Barrel. Okay, put them in the trifecta. Then that's put race them in seven. The trifecta. Race seven today, <laughs> numbers five, six, and eight. Says Sam Taylor from the Corindai Jockey Club. Thirty-seven degrees. It'll be a great day. Oh, yep. We appreciate your time this morning. Hey, have fun today. Oh, thanks, mate, and and thanks for having me on, and uh, we'll see you in Corindai next year. Sounds great. Good on you, Sam. Thank you so <laughs> much. Sam Taylor there from the Corindai Jockey Club. Now, quickly, I will give these tips. Oh, gee, I've got to take a breath here. There's been plenty of them. So, firstly, Adam Pengilly at Rose Hill tomorrow likes race six, number one, electric girl is his tip. Ali Mosley's tips. At Canterbury tonight, she likes race one, number one, Kintyre. $19 chance, three seventy the place. Tomorrow, her best bets, Flemington, race one, number nine, serious liaison, an $8 chance with Tab. At Rose Hill, she likes race one, number four, pre-emptory. Pre-emptory, that's $11 the win, three fifty the place. And she likes race three, number 15, Parasol, $7 the win, two thirty the place. That's race three, number 15. And she also likes race six, number 10, Pavitra in the Millie Fox. $11 the win, two eighty the place. And she did mention in the feature, the Hobartville, Osipenko and Brosnan, $7 and $31 respectively, if you wanted to take on the favourite there, of course, 
after cabin. In the Europa League this morning, first leg playoff between Barcelona and Manchester United uh, in Spain finished 2-2. Uh, United well conceded the first goal. Then they went 2-1 up. Rashford scored and uh, then there was an own goal just before the hour mark. But then Barcelona equalised in the 76th minute. So 2-2. <laughs> Heading back to Old Trafford for that second leg. Uh, our Aussie cricketers, the women, another win, convincing against Sri Lanka over the 2020 World Cup in South Africa. Uh, Sri Lanka posted eight for 112. We were none for 113. Got there with 25 balls remaining in the 16th over uh, with the ball. Megan Schutt, four for 24. And, uh, well, the batters, Alyssa Healy, not out 54 off 43. Beth Mooney not out 56 off 53. Same old, same old, Never isn't it? Yep. Yeah, oh. it's good. I just, yeah, I think, well, I've been saying daily how good this team is. I just think, um, I hope they get tested, just a little test before the final. Because I, you'd hate to walk in blowing every team off the park and then the final comes as a bit more pressure and, you know, like again, sometimes you can. I know there's not much they can do. Like you just got to win, and they're winning comfortably. But you know, you number four, five, six, seven, are not getting much of a hit. So come final, you're three for ten. Mm. All of a sudden, you're expecting the girls to go out in that middle order. They haven't had any any game time. So I don't know. It's it's a World Cup as well. So you don't really want to be changing the batting order. But yeah, I'm sure they'll they'll have a plan. But at the moment, you can just see how far in front they are of, of every team. And they deserve all the credit in the world. They've been amazing for a long time. And uh, just Mitch from Robertson asking, is Laurie in a Long Bay jail toilet, Mido? No, he's not. So Laws is on his no, way straight to New Zealand <laughs> after the show today. <laughs> it's not Long Bay. No, it's not Long Bay. Silverwater. <laughs> and he's back. Lozer, when you when you're back, give us your multi. What have you got for us? Uh, this is what we're doing. We're going Rose Hill tomorrow, race six and number six Roots top four into Osipenko to run top two in the Hobart, Hobartville. Uh, so that's uh, race eight, number eight. And uh, at, so mm, Ali gave both... Osipenko a good chance, Loz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I... Knock off aft cabin. Oh, really? Well, she said mm. she'd nominated Osipenko and Brosnan. Mm. If you want to go around the favourite, favourite, yeah, they're her well, too. he is short. He is short, Af Cabin, but he won in style last time. But I, I like know. the way Osipenko finished off uh, that race uh, a couple of weeks ago. So I'm hoping that he can get the job done. But if you want to be a part of that BSB multi, that's paying six dollars fifty. How are you, Berkey? Meadow, I'm good, mate. I'm well. I'm well. I um, I'm glad I actually didn't get asked to do the sleep out at the. Uh, <laughs> In the Sydney Football Stadium, <laughs> the Waratahs boys. But yeah, what was that about? Like that. Was that for charity, Berkey, or was it just a, it was grounding? <laughs> no. It was the old um, yeah. no, Brad Fittler walk around 100%. barefoot. Hundred percent, Clarky. Yeah, yeah. Um, what? It's interesting because he because he spoke the other day. Like you know, you got to remember the 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 stadium. Uh, you know, it, it's like it's like your home of, of SCG uh, years ago, and Lodge, you know with. We played at the stadium all those years through, you know, sort of, you know, mm. your NRL and Origin. That kind of it was the the greatest stadium. Um, then they took the they took the games away uh, from there for about twenty years. So there was a generation that never went to see test matches, uh, you know, for rugby test matches especially uh, um, at the stadium. So you know, these kids who just didn't know they knew about it, but they didn't know uh, of it. So 
Matt, the coach, in his wisdom, said, hey, let, let's go and have an explore. And he literally rocked up with a sleeping bag. And, uh, and they camped the night out. So um, it, was a, it was a get-to-know-you type situation. So, Can I ask Berkey uh, what happened in the middle of the coach, night? Coaches these days. Yeah, where do you go <laughs> oh, to the bathroom? Yeah. <laughs> It, it, uh, yeah, there might be a couple of burnt patches on the grass down there. You never know. <laughs> oh, dear. The hotels weren't open just around the corner. They could have spent the yeah, day training and walking around Mate, and we taking were, a they're breath. Trying to get, they're trying to get hard, uh, hard nap, I think, Clarky. That's, uh, that's the one. So okay. it's, it's all about, you know, how the, co- the coaches love their little uh, their little drills. I think we did, last year they invited some old boys back to do a, uh, a walk uh, with the guys through Kangaroo Valley, sort of, you know, get to know all that kind of stuff. Mm. And, he sold it to the old guys as a, uh, we're going to do like a, a nine-kilometre walk. And we walked for 26 kilometres through the night. And oh. dead set, the, the, the next morning, it was like we'd just ridden a horse for like three days. Just could not walk. All the old blokes were just struggling. But, you know, he, he, he finds a way to, to bring the team together. There's Darren Coleman. So, um, you know, onwards and upwards for, for the boys, for the Tars, and they take on the Brumbies week one. You'll only know, you'll only know if it's been a success on how they play against the Brumbies, 100%. Berkey. 100%. Exactly right. And, and you, know, you know, a lot of they... they so they had a trial match last week against the Reds. Uh, you know, trial matches, how much how much you read into them. You know, the, the NRL boys are running around at the moment for, uh, for week two. But, you know, it, it's, a, it's a suck and see. You need to be able to, of, of all the work that you do in pre-season, uh, boys, as you know, uh, you, you don't get that same feeling unless you actually play a game. So, yeah, under pressure, uh, you know, it's the old boxing mentality, isn't it? You know, you can throw to the bag, but, you know, when the bag starts hitting back, that's when it becomes tough something. So, you know, these guys are, um, are finding their, their feet, finding a new space. There's still competitions for spots for those guys, which is great. Um, you know, we saw, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if you actually saw the trial, the last play of the game was Nemanja Nadolo, uh, who's come across uh, back from Europe uh, and, and everywhere else. He, he scored a try. He's a big boy. He's 132 kilos on the wing, probably a bit more, 138 on the wing. And he scored, uh, but he dropped the ball. And it was the old school. There was no, there was no TMO. And everyone was blowing up. And I was talking to my daughter afterwards saying, that's how we live. Like, you know, you just got away with stuff, you know. Like, I've seen you one nick on the third slip and, not, and not walk. Yeah. <laughs> I, think I, I think I got bowled one day and didn't walk off. <laughs> nah, it must have been a no-ball front foot, surely. So it was refreshing to see, uh, I suppose, some, some footy being played again. And you're right, Loz. Um, next, next Friday night at the, the new Allianz Stadium, uh, you know, they, they trundle out for the first time. And, and leave what was Leichhardt. So hopefully, you know, the uh, the supporters come across and, and they can um, and have a watch, which would be great. Berkey, it seems like Eddie Jones is getting around and, and seeing the players and, and the people he needs to see in preparation for this Wallabies team. Mm. Do the trials become more important because of that or not necessarily? Boy. No, I think you're right, Clucky. I think you're right. I mean, he was out in Narrabri the other yeah. day to watch that, uh, you know, Reds Waratahs game. Um, he's been... I think he's been floating around, uh, you know, a couple of estates. Uh, I saw, uh, I saw that he's he's trying to do a, a smash and grab for the for the World Cup in in, in terms of coaches. I think I think he there was something posted the other day that he might have had a chat with Michael Maguire as well to to come on board. So um, uh, all of a sudden he's trying to find his crew that can take him through the World Cup. So he's going to rely on the on the Super Rugby clubs and and what they're doing. Uh, in the short term, to be able to sort of you know put something together, but you're right, you're on. It, it's an audition from the start. Uh, you know, you, you want to be playing good footy, and and I think it's been it's been said before that he knows he knows everyone. Like his research, you know, someone said when he got the job, he said, oh, you know, have to start from from scratch, and I, and it was the no chance, man. He knows everyone and about everyone, everything about everyone. So 
his knowledge of of players and the game is uh, is is absolutely massive. Um, and he just he's just got that you know that little you know sort of he, he just sort of shuffles around and he doesn't say a great deal and he and he sort of you might have a little snipe for a couple of players and a little niggle and and he, and, he, and he just he just gets people on edge you know so they know uh, that there are World Cup spots up for grabs and and what was the a lay down Mazaire for perhaps a Rennie era is now an, an open book now. So, you know, play well and you could get a start. Yeah. Just on that then, Berkey, is he a mm. guy that will come in and just turn the joint? Well, I, I know he'll turn the joint upside down just through his yeah. presence and what he's, you know, what he's capable of doing. And we've seen the history of Eddie when he goes to somewhere, he completely gets, resu- well, gets results straight away. But is he mm. more inclined to move on the older guys and bring in the new or is he more about using the established veterans to help him get to the World Cup and then sort of give them one last chance of winning a World Cup? Yeah, one last hurrah. Good question, Loz. Uh, you know, when you're looking around in that group, you've got to be able to find some people who have some experience at that test level. Uh, there's no use going into games with sort of, you know, 15 fresh faces uh, who can then get uh, a bit shell-shocked. So it's a, it's a, it's a getting that balance right. Um, but there's nothing like getting a young bloke in there sort of, you know, just the, you know, the bit between the teeth and they just go absolutely nuts. So I'm sure you'll find some, some bolters this year as well. Um, you know, there's, there is that factor sometimes. I remember, you know, like it was back in your day, I suppose, or, or just before your day, it was, it was easier to, to get into the cricket team than it was to get out of the cricket team. That was the old expression. So, yeah, sometimes the mix-up is, uh, is a good thing. Uh, and, and going back on your question before, Clarkie, yes, uh, with him being around just sort of just throws the, the, the cat amongst the pigeons, uh, if that's the case. You, are, you have to be on your game. You have to be on your game at training. You, know? you have to be on your game, uh, obviously, when, it, uh, when the whistle blows. But he'll be talking to the coaches and seeing who's who and, and, and who's up for the, up for the challenge. And you know, there's a couple of young blokes coming through. Uh, obviously, the older guys we're going to start. The interesting part about it is you know, the captaincy. Who will be captain? Does Michael Hooper take the, the captaincy back? Um, I think the captain has to be an 80-minute player. Are there uh, what eighty-minute players are running around for Australia at the moment? And probably, you know, if you if you look at it, probably you know Michael would be the only one. Um, so th- that's an interesting debate as well in itself. Who who becomes the Aussie captain? Uh, Berkey, I feel like we were uncertain about what our best squad was under Dave Rennie, and the mm. players seemed like they were fighting, you know, every single day to make a squad being unsure. Now the players have got to go through the whole process again because you've got a completely different coach. Like, oh, yeah. it must be oh, a I tough time I... for a player, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you're playing you're playing a, a sport for a, for a living. You're playing a hobby for a living. It's so it's like a, it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's right. And, and it's, it, it's, it's... But you know that feeling when you feel yeah, secure no, 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 in a no, team it generally yeah, brings yeah. out the best in you rather than, oh my God, am I in this week? Am I out? Does this coach I, like I me? Think, Does that guy I like me? What... Yeah, I think what will happen is he will have, uh, he will get that. Uh, so basically, it, it's it's up in the air at the moment. You know, he, he's he's lining him up and just pinging him off as to who he wants. But I think once the team gets settled, I think the team He'll will stick. be settled. Yeah, okay. Not not sort of you know have thirty three blokes and rotating them all in and out. I yeah. think once you find your fifteen, and and I, I think that's a uh, well, you know, he talks about not so much the fifteen. He talks about the twenty three these days. You know, and and they're not. They're not bench players; they're finishers. I remember, I remember him talking about that in, in uh, 2019 World Cup. It's like the, it's not the old first 15. So you don't get selected in the in the first 15 and the bench. It's a 23, and your job is to do uh, a finishing role. So 
that's uh, that's how hell he'll approach it. But I think once he gets that team, it'll be quite settled. Remember, there's only four test matches or five test matches, four in the in the, the rugby championship, and then uh, a, a, a trial against France before the World Cup. So. Uh, they're going to get a good indication of where they are. Obviously, New Zealand, South Africa, you know, uh, thumping big bodies. And then France, uh, who, uh, well, they, they, they lost to Ireland last week in the Six Nations, which is which was great to watch So um, in that uh, in that capacity. So we're getting a, sort of getting a taste of where everyone is in world rugby at the moment as well, with Six Nations happening. Berkey, great to chat as always. Have a great weekend. And to you, boys. Take care. The Big Sports Breakfast is now live on Tab's new social betting product, Bets Friends. If you haven't got the Tab app, of course, download it. But once in that Tab app, just head to the Bets Friends tile. It's on the homepage. Create your profile with a quick couple of steps, and you can access a heap of our tips and expert predictions. So if you miss any tips, a whole heap of them will be in there, and you can copy our picks. So go straight to the Bet Slip if you like. Have a look and get involved. Bet's friends on the Tab app. And I know uh, our fearless leader, Will, is just about to load Ali's tips today into Bet's friends on the Tab app. So uh, tips from the show. The aim is to get them all into there. Many more tributes coming through for the great Dean Lester on the text line too. Uh, I was one of Dean Lester's loyal followers for many years. Betting on Melbourne races will never be the same. Tavi time. Race three, number two, Canterbury tonight is a tip from the stable. Have a great weekend, guys, says Andrew from Green Square. Uh, just saw the very sad news that the passing of Dean Lester will be sadly missed by the racing community. RIP Dino, says Mal at Mollymook. Sad morning today, gents, on the passing of Dean Lester. All I can say is a champion has become a legend. Rest in peace, you'll be sorely missed, says Bushy from Brizzy. And stacks more as well. Brad Davidson, Good morning to you on what is a very sad day. Yeah, morning, guys. Yeah, very sad news. Uh, I was just gut-wrenching reading it last night, wasn't it? Um, just about to jump into bed and read, you know, what came through. And, um, oh, gee, I think we all just feeling it this morning. It's um, a shock, you know, I'm listening to Dino the last couple of weeks about his health battle and sort of suggesting, you know, that they're giving him three years and, and then next minute it's, it's all over. It's just... Um, uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, another reminder that you've just got to live your life because you never know when it's over. And it's just such a, a terrible, terrible uh, news. You know, he was someone who supported and, and meant so much to, to so many people in the industry, um, particularly punters. And, you know, punters are the people who are often forgotten in this industry. And Dino stood up for them. And um, that's what I'm most proudest of. And, um, yeah, may he rest in peace. Yeah, well said, Davo. Uh, he was a giant of the industry, and a lot of people, and most people, uh, respected his opinion and judgment, in particular of horses. And you know, jockeys went to him, and trainers would go to him, and saw his counsel. Uh, so he's going to be sorely missed. Um, and the races they do continue, as Dean would want us to support the industry. And tomorrow here in Sydney, we've got a couple of big races. So I'll start with the Hobartville, mate. How do you see this playing out? Does after cabin just win? Yeah, I think so, Lise. Look, he was so dominant there the other day. Obviously, he comes up with a tricky draw now and needs a little bit to go right from out there. But he's probably the type of horse that can sit three wide, no cover, and still beat them, to be honest. That's how impressive he was the other day. So, look, I think Ozapenko will improve from gate one. A Nasher board, he just missed a start the other day and got into a horrible spot. So I think he's the big improver. I think he's the exacter horse if you're looking to play it that way. But um, And obviously yeah, keen to see what uh, this Kiwi can do as well, the 2PR. But um, half-cup, and yeah, he does look very hard to beat, doesn't he, guys? Um, hard to tip against him in the Hobartville. 
Uh, what about the Millie Fox, which is race six on the card, isn't it? Maria Mia is the even money favourite and heavily backed as well. Uh, with Maria Mia or looking elsewhere? Yeah, well, she's flying, isn't she? Uh, it's just come back a different horse. This preparation, Joe Pride, he does a great job you know, with these tried horses and they just continue to improve prep after prep. So, look, she's got to do it at 1,300 now. She probably tags across uh, the likely leader, Expat, and sits outside the lead. But, again, it's, it's hard to really poke too many holes in her form the way she's going. But, uh, look, I think the dry track fresh horse is Catalan, the seven for Godolphin. Uh, always like her, her form fresh and... She's just going to sit back off that speed and really hit charge to the line late. So, look, if you're looking for one of the each-way odds, Catalan. But, uh, again, it's hard for me to really knock Maria Mia on what she's done so far this campaign. What about down at Flemington tomorrow, the Black Caviar Lightning Stakes? Are you with Nature Strip? Yeah, well, they're, they're, they're dangling the carrot, aren't they? $2.10. I'd be fascinated to see if they continue to do that and it gets out further. Um, look, I know gate one's not ideal, but... Uh, in the fair income department, if he turns up anywhere near his best, he beats these, simple as that. So uh, it's just a case of if he's able to bounce back after a bit of a lackluster end of the spring, and we know he's not getting any younger, he is getting on, but he's been jumping out and trialling well, and uh, you know he might be saying tomorrow afternoon that $2.10 looks a gift, but uh, it's always there's always a little bit of risk in there. But um, with J-Mac aboard, I've got to stick with him. He's just the, the world's best sprinter, and... Uh, until we, you know, until we see him really disappoint again this autumn, we we can't take that tag off him for mine. So uh, clearly the one to beat, thousand metres first up suits, and I'm sure James will have him in the right spot despite that gate number one, which is never ideal down the straight. You generally want to get a bit wider, but uh, he's got that tactical speed to put himself right on there and probably edge towards the middle of the track anyway. It's your best bet tomorrow, Davo. Look, a really tough day at Rose Hill, but I made it race at three, number 11, Insurrection. Uh, really loved the the day, uh, the first up win, sorry, as a gilding. And he's shown ability in the past. They backed him for a stack first up, and he, he ran super time. Gets in with 54 here, low draw. I just thought he'd draw a bit, uh, drawn a bit better than Economics, who looks a good horse as well, don't get me wrong, but uh, I just thought he might have map favours here, Insurrection. So happy to be with him to beat Economics there. Race three, number 11 at Rose Hill Garden. $3.50 with Tab, and uh, yeah, it's the best backed in the race to Insurrection. More money on it than the favourite economics at this stage, a red result in the Tab book. Mate, you have a good weekend. You too, guys. And Cheers. just before we go to the news, Loz, your multi. Yes, $6.50. What have you got? We've got Roots in race six in the Millie Fox uh, to run top four into Osipenko, and Davo gave him a strong push. Yeah, He's going to be for something outside of Aft Cabin in the Hobartville to run top two. So that's Rose Hill tomorrow, Roots, race six, number six, and Osipenko, uh, race eight, number eight. Number four. To- race uh, eight, number, number four. four. Race yeah. eight, number four, sorry. Yeah. Race eight, number four to run uh, top two.